Hello and welcome to another Limitless Outdoors podcast. I am joined today by Terry Wallingford and we are going to be talking a bit, little bit about um, life without Jesus, life with Jesus. And Terry is an exceptional fisherman, although I've never seen it with my own eyes. I've seen lots of pictures of you catching stuff. He's also a pretty accomplished hunter. Um, and Terry ended up coming to the Lord watching our videos uh, on YouTube. And so I'm glad to have Terry with me today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And um, could you share just a little bit about uh, your childhood growing up uh, when you first became passionate about hunting and fishing? Oh, my dad was quite the hunter and uh, he learned to hunt from my uh, my mom's dad, kind of raised him as well uh, in the Selkirks, actually unit 113. Oh, okay. Uh, Cusick, Usk, Furport area. So the Washington. Well, side. Eastern Washington. Okay. And... Uh, we moved to the west side early on, but every hunting season was clear back to eastern Washington. So I got to grow up uh, hunting whitetails with my dad, and that's where my passion would be. It took me forever to kill my first buck. I had massive buck fever. I was did noisy. You ever, did you miss any? Oh, yeah. And I was noisy in the woods. So at 10 or 11, my dad would already just say, you know how to get back to the truck. We'll see you later. And leave me in the woods at 10, 11, 12 years old. Learned how to navigate everything myself. I'm pretty good in the woods. Uh, I've got a huge instinct for where I am and how to get out and stuff. And uh, so we had it all through growing up there. Never really killed a buck until uh, I was about 18. I missed a lot of bucks. It was a hard, like hard, hard, uh, <laughs> hard lesson. Okay. And uh, saw a lot of good animals. Uh, started hunting uh, Western Montana and and started killing some big white tails. So um, let me back up for a second though. That first buck when you were eighteen, what what did that feel like? What did it? What was it like to kill your very first animal? Oh, it was amazing. It was uh, one shot, one kill. Uh, zero buck fever. It was time to get work done. Get it done. Okay, you know because I was just egging for that opportunity and the funny thing about it was it was a two by two decent sized i could not see the other deer i waited them out and out come a giant really giant four point i don't remember if he had kickers or anything like that oh, but it was huge and that was my deciding factor i'm out in the middle of nowhere i'm like nope i harvested my buck you get to live another day That's and awesome. uh Got back to camp. My dad couldn't believe how far I went from camp. I'm also a wanderer. I, uh, the next corner is always the better corner for me. So okay. I end up miles from where I'm supposed to be usually. And uh, that attribute later on to killing my bull, my bull elk is just going where nobody else wanted to go. Okay. But yeah, my first buck was was huge for me. And yeah. it was just pretty much one or two deer a season from then on out. That okay. completely changed who I was. Um, in the woods and being able to control and not celebrate till after okay, and enjoying the hunt. Up so did you get it. to a point where you were just frustrated with how you'd been messing up and kind of just coming up short on it? Or what was the, what was the deal there? Is that what, like, what is it that, what do you think calmed you down? Because I've had that before where I realized like, I just, I remember my first archery elk experiences and the bull had come in and it's just screaming. Right. And you're like 10 yards on this bull and it's just screaming its head off. And my heart's just going, and I mean, the bow is coming up. I've seen guys bow hunting and the bow is literally doing circles, you know, foot like yep. it's crazy. And then, you know, I wounded a couple, like didn't hit right where I wanted to. And I realized if I don't get my stuff together, 
like I'm actually missing out because I don't, mm. I'm not getting my stuff together. You know, was that, did that contribute to it? I really think I was far enough to, for me, I was far enough back in, uh, growing up on public hand, land hunting. If that buck gets three, 400 yards away, someone else is going to get it. Okay. And I think that was more of what was going on with me. No one, you're going to blow this opportunity. When we, we got packed in Western Montana and then I hiked even further from camp, I had no, nobody there. So to me, knowing my instincts downwind, everything was right. I had more, for me, I had more time and it was okay. able to, easy to get my nerves in control. And then I just built on that from then on out. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, it was definitely the getting that first, first big kill out of your way. And then. How many deer on, you think you've gotten over the years now? Um, I've probably killed 30 something. Okay. All big white tail. I love killing big white tails. So then fast forward a little bit. Um, wh- at what point in here did you get into fishing? Seriously. Was that from the time always you were a little fishing. boy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We always opening day of fishing season was big for us. Uh, my dad had some great friends. We always went fishing, uh, growing up in Vancouver, able to get to the coast when we needed to get to the coast and fish for big, you know, in the eighties, the Chinook were huge and plentiful and, um, yeah. And then I just, uh, middle school, I had a great science teacher, uh, Ray Peterson. He, he, uh, helped me build my first fly rod and got me really even further into fly fishing. My dad had taught me on, uh, South Skookum Lake actually okay. just out of, just out of, uh, Cusick's where I learned to fly fish and then, uh, probably 10, 11 years old. Then here I was 15. My teacher was like, you know how to tie flies and all that? I'm like, oh yeah, I love doing it. And, uh, so he helped me build my first fly rod and I still use it today for every, every fish I've caught since 1985 has been on that fly rod. Really? And although it's a six weight all the way up to, I think I showed you my biggest fish was a 13 pound steelhead on a six weight rod. So, and, uh, so it goes everywhere I go. You know, I'm a little bit harder on stuff than you. Okay. So I've spent a little bit of time with Terry and he keeps everything immaculate. I, I run stuff as hard as it can possibly go. Like that's my, that's my deal. But okay. So my dad got me an Orvis fly rod. Wow. I was like, uh, maybe 13 or 14. So my uncle got me this cheap little Walmart one and we didn't have any other fishing poles and I really wanted to go fishing one day. So I think I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. I grabbed this cheap fly rod and I go down to, um, a Creek here called Myrtle Creek when I was a little kid all by myself. First time I flopped a mosquito off of the bridge into the Creek and a trout instantly comes up and grabs it like just a 10 inch creature fish you know but i mean i was hooked from then on so then my dad saw that i was really into this you know and he buys me an orvis fly rod well i don't even know how many fly rods i've broken over the i'm (laughs) i'm i bet you orvis i mean i've gotten my money's worth out of orvis in fact (laughs) i gotta send it back in because my kids broke it the other day it's so how do you keep a fly rod from breaking your entire life that's what i want to know uh, build it with your own hands. Okay. And that was, a. Uh, it was just a special moment. It was a LCI rod. They're not even in business anymore in Woodland. I think it was one of Gary Loomis's first businesses, but, uh, through a five fishing club, uh, an auction, they had, uh, like 70% off a fly rod kit building one. So my teacher, he drove me clear up to Woodland, which 20 miles, but when you're a kid, you think it's quite a ways out there and got to go to the factory, uh, meet some of the rod builders, um, and pick out a kit and it was an expensive kit clear back then. Really? And I got 70% off. Yeah. It was, I think it was 125 or 180 bucks kit. Yikes. So I was like in 70% off, you know, I'm like, I can afford this. And 
each day he had me do a different part of it and, you know, find the chine. You're trying to find the spine of it. Guides go on the other side. And yeah, if I could show you the rod, it was, it was, it was me building it. How and, cool is uh, that? So I take very good care of that rod. Oh yeah. Yeah. All my stuff, but that rod, I, I watch it everywhere. It's crazy, but that's awesome. I'm trying to catch, you know, my lifetime of fish will be on that rod as bad as I want a different rod. That's a rod I'll use forever. Yeah, there's something special about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah that's kind of interesting though, right? So you have something that you created yourself that you're protective over, that you love and you cherish. How would you feel if somebody took that rod like me and broke it? <laughs> I'd be hard, I'd be heartbroken. So but I was just thinking about like while you were talking, right? I was thinking about how God handcrafted us. David says, uh, in one of the Psalms, he says, you knit me and formed me in my mother's womb. You, I am made wonderfully and fearfully. And like, I just think about how much God loves us. And then it's a fascinating thought, like for God who loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us, then to all of a sudden, either a, we walk away from it or when we do damage to other people, like, how would you think God feels about that? That's kind of a fascinating thought oh yeah it's kind of like or, or if your fly if that fly rod went missing for a while like how excited would you be when you found it yeah and if I you think, went missing for a while and how how excited god would be that you came back yeah isn't that a radical that is i like that it's what's interesting to me though so terry you've been walking with the lord now for four or five months yep. february 8th february 8th um I just think what's what's fascinating about it is uh, the Word of God teaches us that we're made in the image of God. Um, in other words, maybe not so much that He looks just like us, but our our we have, that we have the fact that we have a personality, creativity, we're, pre- we're possessive over different things. Like all of those are things about God, and it's just kind of cool to see how even before you were a Christian, like God's image is on you, where you have this just high value for the things that you've created, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really cool. That's a really cool uh, indicator of God being in our lives and how we are made in the image of God. That's pretty radical. Yep. So, um, as you go forward through life, what do you? What did you start doing for a living? I mean, fishing and hunting doesn't really pay the bills for a guy. So, what no. is it that you got into over the years? Um, when I was really young, I worked at a gun club setting clay birds on a trap. Really? Yeah, did that for a long time. But on the, oh, my dad was a truck driver and uh, we started, we landscaped our backyard. And he's like, man, I really like doing this. So when I was 10, we started a business. So pretty much uh, instilled a big work ethic. And and my sisters and I, just like your father did with you. Yeah. Uh, so every day after school, weekends, we were I was working. We kind of set aside. Yeah, my friends got to go play and they had, got to play video games. Not me, man. I was... Working my tail off with my dad. Pretty much. I got one spring break. I remember 14 or 15. I got to go do something with my friends. Other than that, we were working. Okay. And uh, he'd just say, this is the address. I'd ride my bike down to the job after school, and then i get a ride home. I did that. Then when I was getting ready to graduate, he was getting nervous. I'd go off to one of the bigger companies, and so he retired. We started doing that full time. And then, uh, you know, family businesses are tough. Uh, wasn't going the direction I wanted to go. So I took a small break, went to Nebraska and worked on a cattle ranch to help a friend out about half a year and came back and 
was getting back in the same rut. And then my buddy stepped in, one of Spencer that was, was here for my baptism. He's like, today's the day at lunch. He drove me to LMI and I got my own business started mid nineties and, uh, and grew it from there. And it had just a lot of my, my hard work opened a lot of doors for me and met some great people. And it's a thriving Um, business today, right? It's it's great. Yeah. I'm slowing it down. I, uh, during the last recession, we were quite large, uh, and, and had all the work in town, life was good. And then that just wasn't fulfilling. It just, it just, it was too much. And now we're running about nine, 10 guys. And I love it. I love all my employees. I we're a family and, and, uh, yeah, it's just a good place to be right now. So did you have a goal when you were young, when you started that business? Like there was, there something you were after? Were you just trying to get by? Did you enjoy it? Did you want to make a million dollars? What was the deal? Uh, Really wanted to work seasonal and have my falls off. And in the 90s, early 2000s, we really, life was a little slower. We could work really hard all summer, spring, fall, and have the winters off. Now demands are even landscaping, whether it's maintenance or construction, it's a year-round business now. So I kind of had to start picking and choosing what I could do. Um, Had to walk away from fishing for quite a while just because hunting was more passionate it's hard to do everything. How many, like at its height, did it ever kind of get a, get a, out of control for you? Like get away from you a little bit? Like you were working way more than you ever wanted to work? Um, there a point I love to work. So okay. it was more work comes easy for me. I'd rather yeah. be working than doing a lot of things. You need to step back. And um, I didn't enjoy life as much as I wanted to. I got to see my kids grow up through my wife's pictures. Okay. Um, but yeah. So what would you say to somebody that that is getting overloaded with work and kind of you're you're on the other side of that now just a little yeah. bit, right? So what would you say yeah. to somebody that is working their tail off? Like I know a lot of guys, myself included, it's not uncommon to work 60, 70 hours yeah. a week. I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes for, way more than that. But what for what? Yeah, for what? So what would be your advice to somebody that feels like they have to work that much? Can you slow it down? Because you're slowing it down right now. Yeah. You're pulling it back. Oh, you can. You can. Uh, a good friend of mine, Tim, he, he, he's he been instilling for years, just, Terry, your, your, work, your work family God. It's got to be God family work. And I just, for three or four years, he's been pounding that into me when I see him. And he's got a landscape company as well in Vancouver, Ridgefield. And uh, coming to the Lord this year, that made more sense to me than ever. And had <laughs> I taken that, and ran with it four years ago, my life would be completely different. It just, uh, it really slowed things down instantly for me. Okay. When I gave myself the Lord this year. And uh, I keep telling people I see things more clearly, but I actually see them just in a, I don't know if clear is a different way. I I see things completely different now. Okay. Give me an example. What do you see um, significantly differently before and after? Ecclesiastes vanity. That was huge for me this year. Okay. Um, all the work I did, I wasn't. I don't think it was for any of the direction I was wanting to go. I'm not. Uh, it's hard to. I was big into new shiny things, and now I could care less if I ever have a new shiny thing again. That's how radical it is for me. Okay. Um, experiences are definitely a number one on my list right now. I'd rather be meeting new people. Uh, doing different things. I've always done the same thing year after year. 
work this many hours, hunt this many days, fish this many days, start all over a loop. Just a, my life's been on a loop. Oh, okay. And now I want to be off the loop and I mean, foot loose and fancy free really. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you could probably ask my family, but I've, I've done and seen and driven more this, this year in the last six months than I have in years. It's just been, yeah, let's do that. And that's not how I usually am. I calculate everything out to the nth degree and then, oh, I better not do it. Yeah. And now it's, I just got to, uh, I, you really summed it up. I've watched my baptism 20 times now since you did that. And, really? uh, probably more. <laughs> you said, I live my lay, my, my life one way. Now it's time to live it for God. I have been living it one way and now I'm, I'm really excited to live in a different way, God's way. Yeah. And when you raised up your hand, we had lightning and rain and thunder going on. And I was, I was here in the Kootenai River. But uh, you said now to be the man that God wants me to be, the father God wants me to be, and the husband God wants me to be. That was just awesome. Yeah. All right. Baptism is all about identifying with Jesus's death and then his resurrection beating death and are yoking with him. So we're saying the old man is dead, now the new life that we live is gonna be lived for God. So you've lived your whole life up to this point one way, and now this, de this declaration of baptism is that I'm gonna follow Jesus all the days of my life. And the whole idea behind baptism is that it's a public proclamation when, especially in the first century, like it meant death and persecution and everything else. And so are you ready to Pub publicly proclaim Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Absolutely. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for you, and then we are going to baptize you. Right? Okay. And then when we do that, I want you to just uh, plug your nose with one hand and then hold okay. my hand together. Okay. Good. All right. Lord, we just lift Terry to you. We thank you for what you have done already in his life, Lord. And I just pray that you would do things in his life that he has never asked, imagined, or even thought were possible, Lord. I pray that you would, Lord, use him mightily in the last half of his life, Lord, I pray that you would just flatten mountains before him and, Lord, that you would use him to expand your kingdom in ways that no one has ever seen before, Lord. I pray that you would help him to be the man of God that you desire him to be, Lord. I pray that you would help him to be the father that you desire him to be and the husband that you desire him to be. And, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to him so clearly, Lord, that he would just hear your voice everywhere he goes, Lord, and that he would just know you fully and intimately. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alright, Terry. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's just awesome. I think we get caught in the this is my thought. So before I became a Christian, uh, we had a manufacturing company, and I am not joking you when I say that we would work from 6 a.m. till 2 a.m., so mm -hmm. 20 hours. Yep. I'd go home, go to sleep, be back at the shop by 6 a.m., and we would do that seven days a week for months straight sometimes. I had a whole refrigerator stocked with Red Bull, and when we ended up losing that business, that was the most significant thing that ever happened to me because I remember um, we had them auction off all of the stuff that we'd accumulated. You know, we had two big 60 by 70 shops. So we had 8,400 square feet that we were manufacturing in. Um, we had enough tools for three crews of guys out on the road and the whole shop stocked. 
And I walked into that shop one day and they were organizing everything that I had into crates and they were auctioning it off. And I watched that and I'd been to some estate sales and stuff like that where, you know, guy has lived his whole life, accumulated all these tools. He dies. Family just wants the money. They sell it. You know, they got no use for the tools. They sell it all off. And I remember it being this pivotal moment for me because I was really new in my walk then. And I realized I'd been shown something so powerful that to get to see how it all, all of our stuff, all this, and think like, I used to think that that's what I needed to do to succeed. Like Mm. I had to have all this stuff and, um, to watch it all just be auctioned off right in front of my eyes. That was a big deal for me. And from that moment on, I stopped living for the stuff that you can accumulate in this world. I mean, it's just, it's radical. And you look at the world teaches us that we have to have all these things to be happy Mm. is what it does. And then at the end, you go 10 years and all of a sudden you realize I haven't spent any time with my boy. I didn't go. He kept asking me to go fishing. I said, oh, tomorrow. And that's, that's my thing, man. I tell my, my boy wants to go fishing and I live right on the river. Yep. And I'm like, well, tomorrow. I'm just, I just got too much going on today. And then all of a sudden there's been 30 tomorrows yep. and we still haven't gone fishing. Yep. And he's a month older, yep. a year older. And so I think there's a real recalibration. But could you, I want to hear... And I want everybody to hear, like, so what happened? Why the why the change? How did it happen? You're watching, what happened? You're watching video. What, um, got, what got you? Been been reflecting for quite some time. Um, my my I guess decompressing outlet. I like to watch three fa- uh, families that farm on YouTube. Okay, just like this podcast or you know YouTube videos, half an hour long. And uh, three good Christian families, and and uh, one of them is the Welkers in Shelby, Montana, and it's always God bless, and they sign off, and uh, it's like wow, a good Christian farming family. And then I watch another one, another one, and and one day, Limitless Outdoors is actually above all of my three videos that I watch, and uh, I'm like, well, I like hunting. I, I, I let's watch this one. So it was raining. I don't know, December, November, January, somewhere in there, and. And, uh, I watched one and, and I was I kind of watching it and doing billing. And all of a sudden you broke into your, your five, six minute, seven minute sermon right in the middle of hunting. And I was like, Whoa. So I stopped, backed it up, watched that, watched the rest of the hunt. Um, do you remember which hunt it was? I don't know if I ever asked The first that. one, um, what's funny is I think it was the clutch buck. Okay. Cause you asked me about it the other day. I'm like, no, I don't much sure. And I went back and I'm like, oh, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so let's say that's 11 in the morning. I'm in my office. So let's say four or five, three in the afternoon, seventh, eighth video. I'm now fast forwarding through the hunting to get to the sermon. Okay. And I was just like, uh, okay, what's going on here? Uh, continued watching, probably went home work late that night because I couldn't stop watching all your videos. I was trying to get every one of them I could see without going on Patreon at the time. <laughs> and uh conservative. Yeah. And uh cheap. That's cheap. Like it. Yeah. Cheap. And uh <laughs> I was like, there's something to this now. So then I of course had to get on limitless hunting, research, watch all the videos, uh your bio, Andrew's bio, Shane. Uh Hurry up, get my stickers coming from Limitless Outdoors, get discipleship books, the first mile, um, which I'm hoping to go through with you at some point. My son wants me to disciple him after you disciple me. Um, Which we're going to do. And uh, 
It was a radical change. So what got you though? Like you're watching it. What really, if all my buddies know me, I hunt with them in Idaho. I'm always out there taking pictures and, and I always tell people I don't need to go to church cause I'm in, in, in church when I'm in the mountains. And when you said that in your, your video of where are you, that was my whole life. And you, you were, you're several years younger than me, but that's, that's exactly how I talk to everybody. And, uh, when you said you took off after that video of Garrett talking about, um, when, when Eve had taken the apple and you started walking up the hillside going, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. I couldn't get your voice with, where are you out of my head either? And okay. that's, that was, and so, uh, yeah, I was working on a job site. My buddy John that you met from Bozeman, he, he was he's in Vancouver as well. Um, he uh, he loves your videos. And he's I know I've watched all those, you know. And we got talking, and he dropped what he. I go, man, I I I just need to walk with the Lord now. Something this is telling me I have to do this. He drove to my job site. You will you need to say a sinner's prayer tonight, and let's get started and write that date down. And I did February eighth. That's awesome. Uh, cried like a baby. And he said, that's that's God coming into your heart. And John's been very, very instrumental behind me. I have uh, three good friends, Spencer and Jason and John, that have just <laughs> surrounded me now that I'm walking with the Lord. That's and awesome. I've got great friends all over. But yeah. those three are like, oh, we've been waiting for this day. So they've been helping me through all the steps. So what was the deal, though? Because, I mean, you've got... You, that's three friends that you just listed yeah, off. Yeah. Your wife, my wife. Um, you've got all these people in your life that love you and have been witnessing yeah. to you and yeah. sharing the Lord with you. Why? Why now? Why all of a sudden did you come to the Lord instead of back then? What was there? Something that changed that was you just full limitless of, outdoors. Okay, you spoke. Um, you spoke to me how I wanted to be spoken to, and uh, I even write in on YouTube, but. Uh, it's not what you've done. It's what you, it's what you do now. And that, it just, a 180 was great, you know? And I, now I started watching Phil Robertson and he was talking okay, about a 180. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting 180s from everybody that it must be right. And it's been awesome. It has been right. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, I owe, I owe it to all my friends. I owe it to you. I owe it to Limitless, Out, Limitless Outdoors. Well, God uh, says that one man plants another waters, but yeah. it's God who gives the increase, yeah. right? That's yeah. that's the reality is like we're all in it together. And I think it's so cool that you've got these godly, godly friends that are just, they've latched onto yeah. you. They got a hold of you and they're working with you and I'm sure answering any questions you have yep. and yep. praying for you. They were, yep. they were praying for you before. I mean, yeah. Spencer. Yep. Oh, he he's been praying over, for he's me still, for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. he said he's yep. been praying for you forever. Yep. yep. How yeah. cool is that? Like sometimes yeah. people want to give up and um I know so many people that are just like, man, I've been praying for 10 years that this person would get saved that they just realize how good God is. Yeah. And the way his love that, that God has for life, like yeah. and and they get tired of it, but I mean talking to Spencer 30 years he's been praying yeah. for your soul. Yep. That's radical. Yeah. He is he has been there the whole time just sitting back, no one ever pressured me and and uh but like I said the minute I said I'm going to do this, they just it, it was like, yes, yeah, we, we were going to let you do it on your own and not put in. And it's just like you said, and, and you say it over and over again, but, uh, 1611 fullness of joy. Yeah. It, it truly is fullness of joy when you, when you walk with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I'm just excited. This will be my first hunting season walking with the Lord. And 
life, life abundantly, you know, now it's, and, and I'm on the backside of hunting, uh, 52 years old. I can get lost just looking at the scenery now and not worried about pull the trigger anymore. So do you need a walker? To no, I don't need a, in the woods? not quite yet. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to get a camouflage one for sure, but, oh. uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm still somewhat fit. I just go slower. Yeah. But, uh, I like big challenges, big mountains, and that's what's hurting the most right now is I okay. don't want to give up. I like going where nobody else goes. Yeah. And uh, Man this, after this, my own heart. this year will be 10 or 11 days in the in the Blue Mountains, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a test. But, you know what you got to uh, get is some some uh, pack animals. <laughs> I saw that. I saw yeah. the writing on the wall a long time ago, and I was like, I got to get into horses. Yeah. But they're probably going to kill me, too. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's an advantage. But I thought, man, how am I going to do this when I'm still 70? I need to get into pack animals. And now there's all sorts of things. They got pack goats, yep. pack llamas, which pack I don't llamas. recommend personally. Yep. But it's pack gerbils. Pack gerbils. It's yeah. more no, your, I, your I style, probably. Yeah. Pack gerbil. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so here's what's cool from my perspective for you though um is i've just watched you plunge all in and granted i didn't know you before but from what everybody tells me about you before and your own testimony like your life has radically changed um it's like I, from my perspective i'm watching you just slow down and open up and just take in life like just take it in and that's a, that's a cool thing. I, I just wonder how much life slips by people because they're just caught up in the, this is what I got to do. Oh, a lot. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. I'd... So had you known, had you known life could be this different with the Lord, would you've come to him sooner? Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I told you, so for me, uh, when John came over to talk to me, he was just like, Terry, you've always taken care of everybody around you. You pack all this burden. And the first thing he said was tonight, when you go home after sinner's prayer, just, just, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, I believe. Um, that's funny. Uh, take upon his yoke cause his light, his yoke is, he is light and his burden is easier burden. Yeah. And, uh, my yoke is you easy, could read, my you burden could, is light. light. You could read that six months before and I'd be like, Oh, I kind of understand it. And that night it was like, and he goes, just try it tomorrow. Just quit. Just let him pack that stress for you. And you see clearly on other items. And that's probably been the biggest thing. And then, uh, moving around the Bible, um, Matthew five, six, seven, and 11, I can read those chapters over and over and over. And you can, you can walk with the Lord and make him proud and live a good life just off those four chapters. That's good. And then you had me read Ecclesiastes a few weeks ago, and I was like, Such a good book, man, if it? that isn't what I've been doing, because um, really a lot of stuff is just vanity. It means nothing. You know what I always say about Ecclesiastes is if you were to sum the whole book up, it's enjoy this life, don't live for it. For it. Enjoy this life, don't live for it, because it's fleeting. It's going it's away. So it's all vanity. So I have a question then. Like with all these people around you, did you, did you have something against God or were you hostile towards God or you just like, he doesn't apply to my life. I don't need him. Um, what was the, what was I, the deal I between you and God? blindly grew up. I just blindly grew up in business seeing, I think I told you, you drive by the church and you're like, oh, those, are, <laughs> those five cars there are guys that screw you in business all week and then repent on Sunday. Um, or I'd meet people that go to church, but 
just never really talked about God outside of just going to church on Sunday. And I was like, well, that's not me. I'm, if you know me, I'm, I'm either all in or all out. Yeah. And I couldn't, I just couldn't just go to church on Sunday and say that's good enough for me. And, and working all the time or wanting to go play, getting me to sit still, it's hard to do. And, uh, after watching your videos, um, I, I mean, I couldn't wait for 8.30 on Sunday and my family see me sit down because it was COVID time and yeah. coming out and I couldn't drive to Bonner's Ferry. Um, I couldn't wait for 8.30 on Sunday and then to sit there for two hours, like, oh, it's over. I'm like, this is awesome. Right. Yeah. I can't believe I'm sitting still and this is great. And then, uh, finally connecting with you and Charlotte and then getting the link to Limitless Church, following you, you, you are definitely who brought me to the Lord this and, uh. Yeah, it's just been it's just been an awesome ride. That's awesome, and uh, I'm just looking forward to what's in store for me until I pass on. So, you mentioned driving by the church and seeing people's cars yeah. there that are ripping you off yeah. six days a week and repenting on yeah. Sunday. Do you think that was a pretty big factor of you not wanting yeah. to engage the church? Yeah, and then just that people weren't really on fire for anything. Yeah, it didn't seem like there's a change, huh? So. So you want to back up to Limitless Outdoors. You uh, you stopped in the middle of that grueling pack out on that big bull you guys chased all day. And uh, you stopped. I think Shane was filming. He was above you. And I've been in that position. I've been on a game trail with a pack on. Just, <laughs> and you were like, there is weak Christians, but just don't be one of them. And I'm like, that probably was, that was, that was big in all of this. Okay. Like, duh. I'm always a leader. I'm never a follower. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. But just don't be one of them. Be the strong Christian. Yeah. And you're, and then you're, and then you're talking about Joshua and the mighty man and stepping on King's necks. That didn't, that didn't hurt. That was yeah. Pretty, that makes you feel powerful. You puff up with testosterone. Yeah. Like, you know, the Bible, I, that's the craziest thing to me is for me, that was one of the huge things that prevented me from coming to the Lord was I looked at these Christians and I had my own baggage, but I look at these guys and they not all of them, but a lot of these guys were really soft. And, and I meet these pastors and you shake their hand and they have a limp-wristed handshake. And not again, not all of them, but some of them. And you're just like, well, what is this? If if you become a Christian, you become weak. And I was like, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life, right? And then all of a sudden, I start reading the Bible. And the Bible is full from cover to cover. The toughest men that have ever walked this planet. Done some of the craziest things that there are. And they were just, they were men's men. And I think of it all the time, like the church is, um, Jesus loves his church, but sometimes the church can be a really bad advertisement to the outside world of who Jesus is uh, because you've got the junk. And one thing I always say about those people, like you were talking about ripping off and, you know, going and repenting um, is, you know, there are a lot of hypocrites and terrible people in the church. Uh, but in a sense, we're all terrible people to some degree. Um, but I'm not going there for those people. And to not go to church just because there's some jerks there uh, is to me like not going hunting because there's some poachers out there. You know what I mean? To say, oh, I'm not going to go to the church because Terry's there and he ripped me off once or, you know, somebody's there or they're just hypocrites. That's like saying I'm not going to go hunting because there's poachers. Like I'm not going to let the people that are screwing it up ruin it for me because I'm not going out there because of the other people. I'm going out there to enjoy what God has made. I'm going out there to hunt those animals. I'm not going out for anybody else. And the same is true for me with the church. 
And if you can break that down for people and just help them see past it, man, if you can just, if you can just forget about all that junk that's going on, like I'm not going there for them. I'm going there to worship the Lord and see what God has for me there. And, um, man, that's a big deal for me. Yeah. I just should have, you know, it was you saying it in the right context for me. And your other big one is, uh, I give you a lot of thanks because you do a lot. You've done a lot for me. Um, I always thought meek was weak too. The meek shall inherit the earth. And I was like, Hmm. meek, whatever. And then you were like, meek is actually strength under control. Yeah. You said that, that hit deep. You're like, never thought about that. Some of the powerful, toughest men don't show it. Yeah. They're only there when it needs to be. And, uh, I heard, I heard a guy, his name's Jordan Peterson. He's pretty popular right now, but I was listening to one of his, um, talks that he had and he was talking about meekness because he was doing this whole Bible study that he was just studying the Bible and he was like meekness is really interesting because in the original language what it really kind of boils down to is those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed like that's a radical when you start thinking about meekness like that it's like okay a guy that's meek, the reason he's going to inherit the earth is, first off, he's a bad mammy jammy, right? Like, he has the capacity to take you out. He has the, the capacity to do all of these things. But instead of wiping you out, he keeps his sword sheathed. And that's not for every situation, right? But there's something about that. Like, have you ever met guys that are super competent and capable, and they could rip somebody down or do whatever, but they don't do it? You're like, wow, he held back. That's, that's impressive. And that's what the Lord does with us instead of tearing us down, right? But it's a it's a big deal, and the world needs more of that, more competent guys. Like, there's a lot of guys that don't do these things because they don't they can't do them. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the guys that can't kill a six point bull to save themselves, and then you have the guys that are you know they they can hold back a little bit, they can enjoy the whole process, and that's a cool thing to be. Absolutely. Yeah, hunting's good, life is good, God is good, that's great. So is there anything you would say to somebody as we wrap up? Is there anything that you would say to somebody that is just on the fence with following Jesus or even giving Jesus a try? Do it. It's it. it uh, it's fulfilling right now. I've never felt so uh, so alive. No regrets then. Oh, no regrets whatsoever. Yeah, my only regret is wait until 52 years old, for sure. Well, God's got a lot of awesome stuff ahead of you. There's no doubt about it. I've watched so many cool things happen. You know, you think you're getting late in life. And I think about that. I shared a couple of weeks ago in a sermon just talking about Moses, um, 80 years old, out there tending sheep, like pretty much figured he was a failure. And nothing was ever going to happen. 80 years old is when God got a hold of him and did radical things in his life. So it's never too late. Like I'm going to be, I think it's going to be impressive to see what God does in your life at 52 on. Mm -hmm. I think God's going to do incredible things. you got so much zeal, so much. God's gifted you so powerfully to do amazing things. I think you're going to see some incredible things. Right on. Just do it, right? (laughs) Yep. Just do it. Do it. All right. Well, Terry, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. We want to, you know, if you want to know more about following Jesus, about 
who God is, what he has planned for your life, how to follow him, how to have eternal life, we wrote a resource called The First Mile. We want to send that to you absolutely free. We pay for the shipping, everything. Uh, it'll just walk you through God's word uh, and teach you everything you need to know about who God is and following him and the abundant life that he has for anyone who calls on his name. So go over to our website, www.limitlesshunting.com, and you can request that. And until next time, my friends, remember, it doesn't matter what you've done. It only matters what you do now. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.